Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will go into Salt and Light storage and bring out some of our favorite conversations. First, Salt and Light producer Sebastian Gomes tells us about his film, The Francis Effect. And we reconnect with singer-songwriter and speaker Jackie Francois Angel. In our second half hour, cross-country ski Olympian Rebecca Dussault speaks to us about sports and faith. And we end the program with a featured chat with country music legend Colin Ray. We begin now with The Francis Effect. On February 11, 2013, Pope Benedict XVI's resignation sent shockwaves through the Catholic Church and raised serious questions about its future direction. One month later, after only five ballots, the Cardinals elected the serene and unassuming Jorge Mario Bergoglio, Archbishop of Buenos Aires, as the 266th Pope of the Catholic Church. He would be called Francis. Today, a year later, can we say that this man is changing the church? Can we say that this man is changing the world? Can we at least say that he is having a profound effect on the world? And to tell us more, I am now joined by Salt and Light TV producer Sebastian Gomes, producer of our newest documentary, The Francis Effect. Sebastian, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. So, is the church changing under Francis? <laughs> that is the big question. That's the question everybody... Watch the documentary. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> That's the question people have been asking since the moment he was elected. I mean, we all remember those images when he walked out onto the balcony. There was a profound simplicity and humility about him, about the way he carried himself and about the message that he wanted to give to the world. Mm-hmm. And that really uh, sort of under underlines everything that he says and does. So right. um, there is a there is a obviously a personality change. The Catholic Church now has a you know a totally different person mm-hmm. who's who's exercising the ministry of the bishop of Rome. Mm-hmm. And there are consequences for that. There are changes. Yeah, you've told me before that 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 people ask about, you know, whether there's a difference in change of style or change of substance. Substance has changed. No. Very good question. So uh, a lot of people will say, you know, this is a change of style. It's not a change in substance. And they equate substance with the official doctrines Doctrine, or, the, yeah. or the official teachings of the Catholic mm-hmm. Church, uh, which Francis has changed none of. All of those nope. are exactly the same. He upholds them. He, you know, he said many times, I'm a loyal son of the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. I believe all these things. I promote all these things. Um, but it's a question that's more complicated than that because... Uh, what we're starting to see, I think, is that in a way, style is substance. Si- style is an expression of uh-huh. priority. So uh, when he's emphasizing certain things and de-emphasizing other things, he's reorienting our priorities to say, right. you know, these are the fundamental things about the gospel that the Catholic Church must yeah, stand for. Absolutely, and that is a change, and it feels like something new. Um, okay, okay. Wait, so, so the changes, the structural or, or governance changes that he has made. Having said what you just said, would you say that that is substance or <laughs> style? Well, th- th- that's a that's another <laughs> no, kind but of that's change. A good example. That is, yeah, 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 and 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 it's it's another kind of kind of change that he, that he's enacting. Um, you know, th- the changes in the bureaucracy of the of the Vatican, for example, the structural mm-hmm. changes to different you know commissions, the Vatican Bank, you know, the uh, the promotion, the commi- the starting the commission for for sexual abuse to advise yes. them on sexual abuse. Um, the whole thing with the Synod of Bishops, how that's going to look in the mm-hmm. future. Those are, uh, you know, in a way, kind of 
technical things. Those are structural reforms. So they don't actually deal with, you know, the eternal uh, kind of dogmas yeah. of the Catholic Church that are essential for the Christian faith, the mm-hmm. tenets, the essential tenets of the Christian faith. Um, I mean, none of those things are, uh, are, are, you know, are kind of permanent. Those things are, are, yes. are, are, are a means to an end. They're not an end in yes. themselves. Yes. So they, they are changeable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's obviously uh, not afraid to change those things as he sees fit. The, mm-hmm. the, other, the important thing to remember about those structural changes in the Vatican is that uh, the conclave uh, was so unique in that ben- Pope Benedict resigned and didn't pass away mm-hmm. um, that the cardinals could have these open conversations yes. about what was needed in the church. And many, many cardinals said at that time before entering the conclave, these are the things that have to be dealt with by the future pope who is among us. Right. So they had a mandate. They had a mandate. Basically, so, so, so what we're seeing with him regarding structural change is really a mandate from his right. brother cardinals. Interesting. Now, what would you say it is about Francis's personality, and we can talk about style now, that is having such a profound effect? It's definitely what's appealing and attractive to so many people. Um, there's when I talk to people and you know the people in the film that we interviewed, they all say he's authentic. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a human quality to him that he he is genuine. He's authentic, um, and, and he's free. He's a free person. You know his, his faith in Jesus has you know liberated him mm-hmm. from the kind of fears and concerns that many of all of us are kind of you know caught up in you know in our daily lives and that's very attractive to people that he seems to be a person who's who's unafraid to uh to be who God wants him to be yeah, yeah. which is real and and it's a great role model for all of us because if you're a Christian I mean that's something to aspire to that that, that is a Absolutely. you know what we call holiness in a way the way he carries himself so yeah yeah i, I guess what people say that he walks the talk it sounds yeah. kind of banal but that's exactly what it is now you were in rome during the conclave you were there just before and you had a chance to meet with Father Bergoglio <laughs> on the streets of Rome. Tell us about that meeting. Father Cardinal. Yeah, he looked like a priest just walking around in his, you know, regular black uh, black suit and clerics. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah w- Father Tom and I were, were working in Rome. We went out for pizza in Piazza Novona one night, and uh, he was just walking by himself down the street. We just bumped into him. And right. So we started talking to him for a bit, and uh, he, he, was very, he was very peaceful and, and he, very tender in the way he was kind of looking at us and talking to us and... He was actually po- making fun of Father Tom, joking about all the difficult things that he had that to he deal had to with deal with, <laughs> with the media and everything. That's and right. Little so did, Father, yeah, little did he know too. Was, dealing, was the English language assistant. He is the English language assistant for the press office for the Vatican. Right. So that's that's what r- you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Little did he know that two days later he'd be elected pope and he'd be dealing with <laughs> an entirely exactly. uh, complicated situation on his own. But uh, he was a very peaceful man, a very humble man, and I didn't really know what to say to him. You know, this was two days before the cardinals were going to enter the conclave, and he was holding our hands and and I just said cardinal uh you know uh, we're we're praying for you uh, you know I want you to know that, yeah. that myself I and the rest of the the Catholics around the world are praying for you guys and he just kind of smiled and squeezed my hand and said you know thank you very much uh, I'm nervous wow and <laughs> it it was amazing uh you know and I actually rem- remember thinking I don't think I've uh, said this uh, publicly before but um I, as he was walking away I remember thinking well, he's got no chance <laughs> because it, because if you remember the conversations before the conclave, it was, you know, there was an age limit on, you know, right. the, the Cardinals were going to pick somebody younger and this was going to be someone who knew the inner workings of the Vatican intimately because of the bureau- bureaucratic problems. Right. And, 
it was just uh, it famous was famous last words. Famous <laughs> last words. It was, but it, but an incredible experience. Uh, you know, greeting that uh, humble man. Well, so for the last year, and especially for the last six months, the last three months, you've been immersed examining, interviewing people, working on this documentary, The Francis Effect. What would you say is unique about what we're going to see uh, when this documentary uh, airs? Yeah. Um, what we wanted to do with this film was go deeper. So mm-hmm. we knew that around the one-year anniversary of Francis's election that there would be many programs kind of recapping, you know, one year of Pope Francis, cover of time, you know, he carries his own briefcase, he washed the feet of, yes, you know, of the, the Muslim, kids and yeah. a Muslim and a woman and uh, two yeah. women in the, uh, in the prison, uh, you know, the who am I to judge statement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we touch on all of, uh, all of those things, but we take it a step further and we say, okay, given what he said and given what he's done, what does that mean for the Catholic Church? Is there a historical context to this? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is there cultural and political and social consequences to the things that he's doing? In other words, what's the relation between what's happening in the church and what's happening in the world? You know, this is not only a pope for the Catholic Church, it's also a pope for the whole world. Yeah. Now, any other people that we should be looking for uh, that are in the film? Great question. You know, one of the big uh, things that we deal with in the film is the relation between the Vatican and the media mm-hmm. because it hasn't always yeah, been a yeah, great yeah. Uh, uh, relationship as we know you know uh, um, over the last cu- few decades but uh, Pope Francis has really changed the narrative mm-hmm. and uh, so we wanted to speak to the people who have covered the Catholic Church for many years mm-hmm. a- and covered you know the election of Francis and ha- you know in his first pontificate so we went to CBS we talked to Scott Pelley who's the head of the CBS run or does the CBS Evening News yeah we uh, went to ABC and spoke to Diane Sawyer, who does yeah. the ABC Evening News. We went to CNN and talked to Anderson Cooper, who yeah. does uh, you know AC360 is his show. Um, we talked to Allison Smith, who's a great journalist for in CBC Canada, here yeah. in Canada. Uh, and all these people just were dying to talk about Francis. Like yeah. he is a newsmaker, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know I would just tell people you know uh, you'd be surprised how deep the Francis effect is really going in people's lives, you know, and these are, these are not nobodies. These are kind of, you know, these are celebrities and you know what the things that they say said to us and Mm -hmm. shared with us about how they've been moved about what Francis has done and what he's about is really, really uh, powerful uh, testimony. No, that's just for that. that It's it's worth watching the film, but I know that lots of other people now we got to leave it there, but the Francis effect film will also be available as pay-per-view on Vimeo. So it'll be available so people can watch it. Um, Sebastian, thank you for sharing a little bit of what you're doing with us today and, and for doing the work that you're doing. It's, it's good uh, sharing a cubicle, kind of, <laughs> with you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Deacon Pedro. I love being here with you. Sebastian Gomes is a producer at Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. His latest documentary, The Francis Effect, as I said, is premiering on April 17th, Holy Thursday. For more information, you can go to saltandlighttv.org slash The Francis Effect. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Jackie Francois, with Cornerstone from her album, Divine Comedy. Father, you're faithful in every age Across every culture and land You call to your people in hope to restore Our lives which we built on full sand All things will pass away Save you are rock and-
Jackie Francois with Cornerstone from her album Divine Comedy. Jackie Francois Angel is a full-time speaker, singer-songwriter, and worship leader from Orange County, California. Jackie has two albums, Your Kingdom is Glorious and Divine Comedy, both published by Spirit and Song. A great part of what Jackie and her husband Bobby Angel do is speak about chastity, love, marriage, and relationships. Jackie is a popular speaker also at Steubenville conferences, and in fact, next week, she's going to be at the very first Steubenville conference in Toronto. So I'm very happy to welcome Jackie back to the Salt and Light Hour. Jackie, welcome back. Oh, thank you for having me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still getting used to the Jackie Francois Angel thing. So Yeah, so, so is everybody else. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> it's, 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 it's so good. Congratulations on your marriage. How, how's, how's that going? Oh, it's awesome. You know, we people say that your first year of marriage is the hardest, and um, we kind of found that our dating engagement year was, was the toughest because, you know, you're learning how to communicate. Well, hopefully, hopefully people are learning how to communicate, right? And mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, um, 
you know, we had to learn how to communicate and how to, like, argue in a healthy way. And, and so that was kind of, I think once we learned how to deal with each other's temperaments and, and how to, like, communicate in a good way, that actually helped for sure our first year of marriage. First year of marriage has been great. And, uh, you know, we've been traveling a lot together when Bobby when Bobby can come, especially like on a weekend, he works at an all boys Catholic high school uh-huh. during, you know, Monday through Friday. So, um, when he can come on a weekend, it's, it's awesome to have him there. Okay. But you were both speaking about chastity and relationships and all that theology of the body before you met. Yes. So, so what it, you should be experts in relationships, no? Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you, you know, we both love Pope John Paul and, um, theology of the body. We also love, his book, Love and Responsibility. Yeah. So we not only share, you know, the knowledge from, from Pope John Paul, who, man, those writings are just amazing and, mm-hmm. and transforming. But, you know, we can share our own experience and in relationships and um, how we've, you know, done well in relationships, how we've, you know, failed in relationships, and um, just give that advice, especially to youth and young adults, hoping they don't make the same mistakes and mm-hmm. hoping that they realize that they were made for so much more, you know, and um, I think the problem is not that people have too high standards. I've noticed that the problem is people have too low standards and just want to be loved. And so a lot of times we'll settle in relationships for something that's maybe not healthy for them or um, mm-hmm. good for their soul. It's been a busy year. You got married and now you're expecting. Yes. Um, expecting Aug- a little baby girl in oh, August. Okay, so you know it's going to be a girl. I was going to say baby angel, but angel's going to be the last name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, congratulations on that. How how has how has motherhood been so far? It, it's been great. You know, it's, especially you're you're thinking about somebody else already. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that you know people say that you know marriage and parenthood is obviously there are a lot of sacrifices, but there's a lot of joy, um, and obviously our culture is very when it comes to marriage and children, it's very cynical. Um, yeah. But it's, it's beautiful, you know, when you start living for someone other than yourself. Yeah, you gotta, you got to learn to die to yourself, but I know that that's going to keep happening through, you know, having children. And um, But it's such, a, it's such a beautiful gift and such a miracle. Like, I just, this little baby girl is like a ninja in my belly and, <laughs> you know, kicks and moves around. And, um, and I know that not every, you know, I have friends who, you know, aren't able to have children and mm-hmm. um, struggle with infertility or miscarriages. And so I know that it's, it's a blessing and it's a miracle and I don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but pregnant, I've been very fortunate to have a good, very easy pregnancy, especially with all this traveling. And, um, right. you know, I just, I prayed in the beginning, I said, Lord, please, <laughs> I don't want to be on stage throwing up, you know, <laughs> like, no. please, please help me, uh, you know, <laughs> help me with that. And, and sure enough, I, I've, I've been great. Um, the last, Seven months, so good, good. Like they say, the last two months are always the the, mo- the, the best. So I, I I wish you that. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You have the two albums. It's been a busy year, so I don't think you. I mean, you certainly haven't been recording, but I get mm-hmm. the sense that you're y- speaking. Uh, and I know you use your music when you do speaking, when you do the talks. But I- speaking more, your passion, the the the, the blog, even that you have. Um, I- is that where you see your ministry going, moving towards? Well, you know, again, you said I always, I always include music when I do speak, um, especially because I feel like using humor and everything yeah. in a talk, it kind of breaks open. You know, it, it kind of lets people, lets pe- people 
let their guard down. And mm-hmm. especially with teenagers who kind of, it's like confirmation kids, you know, they come in and they're like, I don't want to be here. Um, definitely using humor and stories, um, that, that helps them to laugh. It helps them, you know, just to feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then for me, like leading worship at the end, that's kind of a great opportunity just to lead them in prayer. And a lot of them maybe haven't experienced that. So um, when it comes to speaking, probably about 80% of the ministry is mostly speaking, I would mm-hmm. say maybe 20% or less is pure concert. Right. So um, I always, you know, try again, try to include music in, in the speaking part to lead people in worship and lead people into prayer after, after I've given my talk. Yeah. Do you think you're of yourself as a songwriter? Yeah. And, and you know, what's difficult about that is for me, the more I'm traveling and, and the more I'm busy with that, I don't write songs. I just don't have time as much yeah. to write music, so I'm, I'm hoping that when baby comes and I have <laughs> two months off and I'm completely sleep deprived, <laughs> you know, but I'll have time in August yes. before baby comes, you know, when's, I'm not traveling. Once baby comes, you will not have time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, the Lord might inspire me, um, and, and as songwriters are all different, some songwriters, yeah. um, you know, so I, I know some professional songwriters and they sit down and they can come up with a song. They can crank out a song. That's, yeah. For me, that's kind of not like my gift. My mm-hmm. gift is, um, and how God works with me as a songwriter, is if I'm reading a book or something inspires me, or if I'm in prayer, and um, sometimes songs will come really quickly. They'll yeah. come, and you'll just start writing, and in 10 minutes, you have a song. And sometimes they take years. So, yeah. you know, if, if I'm sure a baby is pretty inspiring. <laughs> but <laughs> that's also true. pretty tired. So, that's true. You know, I'm... I don't know how what God's going to do, but yeah, um, yeah. So, but I'm definitely you know writing songs. I have a ton of songs that aren't published yet. Yeah, as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what you know God wants to do with that. Now, some of your songs are going to be uh, published in the new Spirit and Song hymnal. Can you tell us about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's the Spirit and Song hymnal? The vision for that was that we would have a yearly hymnal that would be updated with contemporary music. Yeah. So basically it takes the best of Spirit and Song 1 and 2, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, I've been using Spirit and Song 1 and 2 yes. since I was, you know, in college yeah. um, when I would lead music for Mass, but there were so many songs that were coming out, um, and so many that we were writing, other like newer artists were writing, mm-hmm. that weren't in the Spirit and Song 1 and 2. So the vision was that the Spirit and Song hymnal would take the best of Spirit and Song 1 and 2, plus all you know, all the newer stuff. So, for instance, I probably have, like, six or seven songs in there from um, from my albums that are for liturgy or for mm-hmm. worship. And then, you know, we also have songs that we're using um, that aren't just for, you know, just Cali Sufferance, like Mighty to Save, my whole song, or yeah. um, different songs that we as worship leaders, you know, we as worship leaders use a lot in our ministries. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, they, they asked us um, when they were doing this book, like, what songs are you using a lot right. when you lead worship? So, or in mass, even you know mm-hmm. that obviously are in line with the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So when is this coming out? So it's out already. And oh, it people is. People can and um, yeah, people can start ordering it for their churches. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind. It can be a companion to yeah. Breaking Bread, which has a lot of the um, traditional hymns, and it has a lot of you know hymns from you know John Foley and yeah. um, you know all those kinds of people. Yeah, all the classics. So. Yeah, so Spirit and Song Hymnal is like a, kind of a good, it's a good contemporary um, kind of version of that. And you can have it in addition, you know, just depending on your parish and, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah. You know, what, what good. Your parish is like. every parish is different. So. Yeah, no, good. It's a great, I have one and two, so I'm looking forward to, to this one. I didn't know it was out yet. Um, you're coming to Toronto, Steubenville next weekend, July 4th, 5th, and 6th. Um, for people who are not familiar with Steubenville conferences, what, what can they expect? Um, so Steubenville conferences, you know, Franciscan University of Steubenville started, you know, years ago, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah started having these conferences on their campus, and it spread all over the country, now outside of the country, in Canada, mm -hmm. and, um, and basically there, it's a three-day, you know, weekend conference for high school teens, and normally there's anywhere between, you know, 1,000 and 5,000 at each mm -hmm. conference, but there are, I think, 20 conferences all over the country, and these teens come, they hear all these um, speakers, mm -hmm. and they have great music, they have you know, mass on Saturday, a big mass on Sunday, yeah. have adoration, um, reconciliation, and it's really just, it's a, an evangelization conference for, for teens to get into their faith. Mm -hmm. um, and it's amazing, you know, when I remember going in high school, it was so awesome to see thousands of other high school teens, just like myself, you know, having yeah. fun worshiping God and knowing that, like, just because you're Catholic doesn't mean you have to be boring. <laughs> yeah. But that you can you can be joyful and you can sing and you can dance and you can have fun and um and a lot of the speakers, you know, I know I've gotten to meet all the speakers that do the conferences and um these are people who are living out their faith in a joyful way, in a relevant way, and they're they're all very different. And um mm -hmm. and so these teens can relate to these speakers and their stories and their, their witnesses of what it looks like to be a Catholic in today's world. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, we're gonna be. Th I'm gonna be there. Salt and Light is gonna be there. We're we're live streaming all the talks uh, on the internet, and most of them will be uh, airing on Salt and Light Television. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. I know people can't register anymore. In fact, it was full. I think the week that they opened the registration, it was full. But oh, wow, but maybe some of our listeners are already registered and are going, but or their kids are going and they're not sure what what it's gonna be like. So so. Uh, um, no fears. It's going to be good. Jackie's going to be there. Um, <laughs> so, um, it, well, that's what's cute, good about Steubenville is that they're, when it comes to the Catholic faith, they are very much um, orthodox. Yeah, they're they solid. Teach what the Catholic Church teaches and um, give these teens experiences to encounter Christ. You know, yes. opportunities to encounter Christ. Yeah, solid. And and that's what it is. It's a good, solid church experience, which is what right. we need. Jackie, that's all the time we have. But thank you so much. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person next weekend. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. And congratulations again on, on marriage and on baby. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'll see you next weekend. You can learn more about Jackie Francois Angel, purchase her music or book her at her website, JackieFrancois.com or at SpiritAndSong.com. Here now is Jackie with... Divine Comedy from her album of the same name. I searched for my whole life, but I never found your eyes. Looking for love among the lies won't do. So I kept on waiting, heartbroken in defeat. We're listening to Jackie Francois Angel with the title track of her album, Divine Comedy. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio.
Rebecca Dussault began cross-country skiing as a teenager, but after marriage, she decided to retire from the sport. But she could not stay away for long. Three years later, she found herself racing again and winning. In 2006, she was part of the U.S. Olympic team for the Winter Olympics in Torino, Italy. Since then, Rebecca has been in more than 60 races, and she is the 2010 ITU Winter Triathlon World Champion. I could list many of her athletic achievements, but perhaps the most notable is that while in Torino, while staying in one of the villages at the Winter Olympics, Rebecca, her husband, and son went to daily mass. I'm sure that she was one of the few athletes doing that. Rebecca now runs a program called Mass Start, which aims to help Catholics lead spiritually and physically healthy lives. And Rebecca now has a book, her story from childhood to Olympics, with her faith out front and her family in tow. And to tell us all about all of this, I am now joined by Rebecca Dussault from her home in Colorado. Rebecca, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's great to finally be with you. Yes, I know. I know. It's been a few years. Um, mm-hmm. How how hard is it to be firm in your faith while being in such a competitive athletic environment? Well, it can be very challenging, but it's something I think that comes in waves or phases. As a teenager, it was incredibly challenging because I was at the mercy of largely the U.S. ski team and their schedules and, and resources, uh, especially while traveling abroad. And so getting to things like mass are extremely challenging for a Catholic athlete. Uh, sometimes that would mean, you know, making it clear to the next town or mm-hmm. um, avoiding some time of training or racing to uh, make mass the first priority. And I certainly felt the heat of that as a teenager. Um, it's been easier, certainly, in my adult life when I've had more of my own resources. I and rent my own car or, you know, hitchhike if I have to and feel somewhat safe or, you know, take a taxi, some of those other things. Yes. But it's it's something that comes in phases, and uh, I, I would certainly love to see it easier on a Catholic athlete. Yeah. Uh, it, it is beautiful that there are, there's mass everywhere in the world, but that doesn't mean it's easy to get to. To get to. Now, so you were always religious? You were, as a teenager even, you didn't have moments of, uh, of, of uh, falling away? No, I I didn't. Oh, praise God! You know, I came yeah. from a very a very broken home, um, and saw the rebellion and falling away, if you will, of my older sister and my younger brother. And about that time in my life, my parents had divorced, and I latched on to another family, which was a very holy household, and in particular the mother, who is now mm-hmm. my mother-in-law, uh-huh. um, really impacted my life at that time and just showed me what joy it was to live for Christ, whether it's you know, through the through the triumphs or through the trials, whatever whatever the case may be, I just saw that he was her stronghold, and she exuded just this love and this joy in everything she did. And she didn't have an easy life, and but she was a focused person, focused fully on on Christ and His Church. And I thought, you know, that's that's who I want to be. Um, so um, I I latched onto that. I attended that family's. Um, or not attended, but went to that family's home regularly. Right. Um, and then to the extent that I was eventually homeschooled in that home as okay. well. So that was hugely impactful. I see. Um, it's not something my brother and sister got out mm-hmm. of their teenage years. Uh, they lost their faith, whereas I gained mine. So right. praise God. And and you ended up, then your husband is, is, is from that family. He is. Well, yes. you know, I started hanging out with that younger sister. I know. Becoming best friends with her and 
gosh, over at the household, there was this older brother figure, and no, that's kind of the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Famous last words. Now, tell me something. Just yeah. curious. So when you were, especially as a teenager, and, and trying to be spiritual or, or part of the Olympic team and, and wanting to make it to Mass, did you ever have to... Did you ever face any any criticism or, or, you know, they'd make fun of you or anything like that? That was a huge part yeah. of what went on when I was a teenager racing. Everything from, why in the world are you wearing a gold unblossomed rose chastity ring? What does that mean? Oh, who would save themselves um, sexually until marriage? Like, right. that's just lame. That's so prude of you. So, you know, things on that level to... Why in the world is she missing the Saturday night team meal so she can go to mass? I mean, yeah. mass. Who goes to mass anymore? Um, so on so many levels, just constant challenges, uh, having to be super strong in the mm -hmm. faith. And, um, right. Yeah, so, prayer. So is part of what you're, the goal of what you're doing now with, with your, uh, your, your ministry, if I can call it that, Mass Start, this, this new program, is it to uh, empower Catholic athletes to, to, to be stronger in their faith, to, to be firmer in having those opportunities so that they don't stray away? Absolutely. Trying to give them the same resources and tools I've found to deal with the, the crisis of priorities in life. You know, we've got to be uniquely and firstly Catholic. And other things are such a, a benefit and a bonus. And so I want people to understand that I want to get back on the start line with them, if you will. Um, as an endurance athlete, the term mass start is all familiar and that everyone is starting together. It doesn't mean everyone wins just because we all start on the start line at the same time. It means some people are drafting other people, working with them, some, some of the carrot out front maybe that you're chasing um, but I want to get back on the start line with the faithful and help them understand we really need wholeness of health. And I don't think it's right. Some some have the perception that when we go to church that we're kind of asked to check our body at the door or when we go into the world we're asked to check our soul at the door. It's really not that way. We need a wholeness of health. Of course, all of it is aimed unto our spiritual health, that being the most important. But um, we have this so-called temple that we you know, walk around with it houses this immortal soul. And so we should care for it, too. And so to, uh, to understand how the church realizes her ministry within, you know, physical fitness and athletics and mm -hmm. things is, is really my, my mission. Right. Um, so how does it, it how does it work? Do you run programs or is it, is it a personal coaching or, or, or training? How, how does it work? Right. Well, I am available uh, locally, certainly to my own community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm Actually, when I get off this call with you, I'm stepping in to teach fellowship and fitness, a Christian women's workout class. Right. Uh, so that's on a local level. And then through the website, there's all kinds of coaching options. And it could be really formal coaching. People want a training plan written. They really want to gear up for an event. Mm -hmm. Or just more, more casual, more life coaching. More, um, you know, maybe get the family's priorities back in order and Right. How does the whole family exercise together and, right. and feel rejuvenated and, and yet not lose sight of their, their priorities and their focus? And just helping people on a lot of levels. I want to just be available to people as, as much as people will find structured um, information and programming right. on my website. That email address or phone number or whatever gets you in touch with me on a personal level. And I'd love to reach out, whatever the need is. Um, it doesn't have to fit within some pre-made structure. Um, I just am available because that is my, 
my mission. Yeah, and they don't have to physically be with you in the same room. They can be across the country, just and you can help them over the phone or via email. Correct. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I'm currently doing that and really enjoying some remote coaching. That's great. And uh, you know, today we've been called even by the Holy Father to use the new media. Yes. You know, so whether that's I'm sending someone a video of here, do this, try this. Right. Or they're sending me a video and asking for a critique or whatever the case may be or we're chatting. Um, there's just so many ways to do it and to feel that connectedness. So, right. Um, so you yeah. have, so, so your book, to, uh, tell me a bit as, as we finish off your, your book, it's also called Mass Start, Mass Start. And I didn't know the reference to the, everybody starting on, the, the, on the, the start line together. That's a new information for me. So Mass Start um, is the hope. What is the hope for your book? Yeah, and the book, too, just to, to dive into the title a little more. I mean, Mass Start is certainly an athletic term, but as a Catholic reading that title, yes, it all starts at the Mass. It's the Mass houses the source and summit of Christian life. Mm-hmm. That's like the Olympics of spirituality. You know, that's the source and summit of, of great Olympic, or, um, you know, athletic achievement. Well, the Mass is our Olympics. That is our marriage. That is our ultimate so, it, yeah. you know, it all starts in the Mass, and that's where we're sent out. So the book, <clears throat> it's a biography, so written about me, and, yeah, it just chronicles my journey. And, this, again, the trials, the triumphs, the how did I do it and remain a faithful Catholic athlete. Mm-hmm. And you alluded to in your intro that um, I was attending Mass, daily Mass, in the Olympic Village yeah. of Progelato, and I, I almost chuckled when you said, you know, probably one of few athletes doing that. Well, I can tell you, we were in the heart of Italy, of all countries. Yeah. Um, Well-known to Catholics, you know, as the home base of the whole church. And we, our little family, was the only people in the church every day. Never another athlete and never another person. And when we fling open the doors of the church to leave, it was out into a bustling Olympic host town. Yeah. And nobody took the time to step into Mass. And it was just showed me the disparity of of faith and its and its place in our lives. Uh, especially, I mean, even in Italy, I just I didn't know that that would be the case there too. I think that's often been the case in my career, though. Yeah, um, I, I, not many people go out of the way for the Lord, but if the world says jump, they say how high, yeah. where, when. Oh, you know, we've got a soccer game here. Well, we can't make math. My six-year-old has to play clear across the state in a soccer game. Yes, uh, people are just. They're mixed up on what's really important and what really um, the family needs to center all their energy around. And, and then things flow from that. It's not like to be faithful to the Lord, you have to neglect being um, so many other things that we all have interest in being. Exactly. No, it th- would, with greater purpose, lend itself to that. Yeah, I think you've nailed it on the head when you talked about priorities. And, and, and it shows that, that the work that you're doing is necessary and important and that more of us need to go in, in go into the, go that route because we need to educate our, our kids better, especially in Catholic schools. Rebecca, that's all the time we have. Um, but it's been great finally connecting with you and, and having you on the program. Um, thank you for sharing a little bit of what you do and, and all the best. Keep Keep doing it, and I hope that our paths will cross one day. Yes, well, thank you for having me, and let us all march toward health through holiness. Amen. Olympic cross-country skier Rebecca Dussault is the founder of MassStart.org. You can purchase her new book of the same title at that same website, MassStart.org. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Colin Ray, with She's With Me from his album, Never Going Back. 
she's with me I proudly tell the mater d as we arrive he seems surprised in a clumsy moment as he looks for room for her blessed chair a table stairs and their eyes show only pity as they try to sympathize oh how difficult that must be look away Day after day They'll never see The joy in me I'm only happy at the times I know that she's with me I wear it like a badge of honor at the mall I hear her call The only way that she is able with a cry Time to go bye-bye She can't say why Maybe tired, maybe hurting God, I wish that I could tell Do I ever make her happy for a while? To see her smile It makes my week Though she can't speak She lets me know she feels my love when she I know just what heaven looks like when I see that perfect face For no other mortal heart could be so fair I myself so weak and weary, so imperfect as a man How could I be the one you chose to care For our girl I've never done a single deed to earn the right Share her light Though it's such a painful road We walk each day Lord you have your ways For this I pray On the day I stand before you She'll stand right by my side And when you look upon me Head hung down in shame I'll feel the blame She'll look at me She'll speak in that precious voice Don't worry about him, my Lord, cause you see He's with me Colin Ray with She's With Me from his album Never Going Back. Colin Ray's golden voice is one of the most loved voices in country music. He's also very successful with 24 top 10 records and 16 number one hits. And you may be familiar with some of these songs, Love Me, In This Life, On The Verge, and If I Were You. Colin has consistently used his fame to advance social causes, including Al-Anon, Special Olympics, Catholic Relief Services, and Child Help USA. After the death of his granddaughter Haley in 2010, Colin and his daughter Brittany established the Haley Bell Blessed Chair Foundation to support families of people with disabilities. And Colin has just published his autobiography, A Voice Undefeated, 
And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Colin Ray. Colin, it's a pleasure to have you on the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for talking to me. Yes, good. So um, we have a lot to cover. So you say that your life changed in 1983 twice, when you found faith and when you found fatherhood. How? Those two moments were defining moments for me, and, and they, they defined me. I'm a, I'm a Catholic, and I'm a father and a grandfather, and everything else I have done in my life is is secondary or far far down the list in, uh, of importance compared to those. Mm-hmm. What 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 was it about the Catholic faith that attracted you? Well, a number of things. I think first of all, the uh, as I you know as I started to to go through RCIA and learn about the history of the church, and I think the authority that what I had been taught as a Baptist was that well, no church or no body on earth has a special authority from Christ. Mm-hmm. It is, it's up to every man to interpret the scriptures the way he will. And, and to me, that always seemed like chaos. I mean, look like the snake churches in West Virginia and stuff, you know, where they were, which is, with, which there's a lot of those. And it, it totally stems from one passage in the Gospel of Mark where the Lord talks about handling snakes and that you really, you know, his believers in the latter days will be able to, to handle poisonous vipers and not be harmed. I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think he really meant go play with rattlesnakes. But they do, yeah. and so my point is: is, is if, if you if you leave it up to everybody to just decipher the scriptures the way they will, I mean, look out! You're looking for tr- you're, you're asking for trouble there. Mm-hmm. And I loved the fact, when, especially when it was shown to me that the authority went from Peter on you know the apostles to now. I thought, yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. You see, to me, if somebody wants to sell me something, it's got to pass the smell test. It's got to yeah. it's got to add up. It's got to have logic. But d- during this process. I knew from my Baptist upbringing that they better be able to back it up in the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. So every time we would talk about confession, talk about always uh, supposed to be stumbling blocks for a Protestant, mm-hmm. was shown to me biblically to where I was like, oh my gosh, this this is the Bible chart. <laughs> this is the one that that is accurate with the scriptures, you know. Right. And I think so, and, and that was a, a revelation to me, you know. Um, but I walked into a Catholic church, and I felt like something really good and beautiful room that I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And I would later come to find out that that was the, the, the host, you know. Mm-hmm. And but, but but at the first, when I first walked in and saw people on their knees, feeling so reverent, uh, behaving so reverently, I thought, this, this makes more sense to me. This, this is the way I think God would prefer us worship Him. Right, right. Um, you also talk in the book about your your brother, the, the car accident he had when you were 12. From that time, suffering has been a part of your life. What, what would you say is the significance of suffering in your life? I mean, my life, you know, and I've never been a, a complainer because I don't. I believe, you know, the, Don Henley and the Eagles did a song a few years ago called, called, called Get Over It. Yeah. And, I, and I really I love that because it just basically says, look, every, everybody gets bad stuff. Just get over it. Mm-hmm. Don't don't lean on that crutch the rest of your life. And, and my childhood was certainly not a, a, a beaver cleaver, you know, Brady Bunch. But I love my parents. They did the good. Mm-hmm. with what they were equipped with and um the divorce definitely was was i remember it was a big anytime you get divorced and you're 11 years old it's going to leave a mark but to me i always saw beyond it, it i think it bothered my brother a lot more than it bothered me mm-hmm. and, and i was just like i just want everybody to get along you know just leave me alone sort of attitude um and then of course seeing my brother almost be killed in a horrible way like that and watching him come back from from 
near death, mm-hmm. and that would that would be something that would little that I know, but that would sort of set a precedent for me that I that I would would be destined, I guess, to spend a, a lot of time in hospitals mm-hmm. in my life, but never as the patient. Yeah, I've been very blessed with a very healthy healthy body. I get that from my dad's side of the family, I guess, and I've, I've never spent a night in hospital, never been in, admitted to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Neither has he, and he's 83 years old. Huh. Never been. So well, I'm hoping I continue that, that, but I've spent a lot of time in them with loved ones, and uh, sometimes the outcome was very good, sometimes the outcome was not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I think those, those, I've always had stuff thrown at me. You know, the meteors have come my way, and you get just so used to fielding them, feeling them like like pitches and like baseball you know yeah. you get so used to feeling them that that uh it definitely toughens you up and you don't overreact to things mm-hmm. i don't overreact to stuff because that because there was obviously a world full of suffering and i was from a, a the old school the school of well if you just pray for god's help he'll you know he'll pay your rent for you mm-hmm. he'll make sure he'll make sure nobody's sick and I would, I would go, that's true, because people are still sick and people still die. I mean, he suffered when he was here, so why are we supposed to just cruise through life, you know, unbothered just because we prayed? I don't, that didn't make any sense to me. So mm-hmm. the Catholic Church is the only church that I'd ever heard that, that preached the value in suffering and how you could attach your suffering to, uh, to, to, to Christ himself, to the cross, and right. for, for the to salvation of souls. I thought, man, that, that, that makes sense to me. That sounds like something Christ would have instituted himself, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to this, look, if you're not getting healed, then you're just not praying hard enough, or you just don't have strong enough faith. That's, that's excuse me, that's crap. Yeah. But it's just total BS. I mean, because, I mean, uh, you, that's like saying, well, you, you, your, your loved one died because you didn't have a strong enough faith. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, that's, that's not what he meant. That's not what God meant. And, and um, so I think, you know, once I learned found the church when I did, it saved me, it's, to this day it saved me, because of that knowledge and belief, that that assurance that whatever comes our way, there's a reason for it, mm-hmm. and can I can I describe why my granddaughter died and why? No, I have no clue, but am I confident in the fact that he does know why? Yep, yeah, I and, am. And that he suffers with you. Um, t- talk to us about Haley's death, your granddaughter, and how, how did that change you? Well, I mean... When you, I think the worst thing that can happen to anyone on earth uh, is not their own sickness and demise, but the, the death of a child. Mm-hmm. When you bury one of your own, and, and even more so when you watch your own baby being slowly destroyed by a disease, an unknown disorder that no one can diagnose, and she gets worse every day and every week. It's just, and everything you pray for, uh, even little things you pray for to improve, get way worse. Every there was almost like the more you pray for one thing to get better, it would get worse every time. Mm-hmm. That is is um, it's the hardest thing any human can go through, in my opinion. And uh, I'm certainly I mean, there's certainly been circumstances where people have it a lot worse than we did. So we we weren't, but but just in general, the principle of losing your baby and watching her suffer and not being able to do anything about it, and then eventually putting her in the ground, um, that's tough. Yeah. Um, it, it changes you like nothing, like no other event can, because then you're, you, you really are left with, with two alternatives. You can, one alternative is to, is to just check out and become a drunk and sit over in the corner and, and stay inebriated and stare, stare outside the window until your time comes, you know, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Or you've got to, you've got to pull your boots up and get up the next day and keep living. 
and and hope that uh, that you can still be useful to mankind, to your family, and to God. And God's the grace of God is the only way, the only way on earth that you can survive something like that. And you know why did He choose for Haley to suffer the way He? I have no clue. I, I really don't. But I hope someday, if I'm lucky enough and booked enough to be able to stand in front of him, and then I'll know. Then our eyes will be open. But, you know, sometimes there's, I just believe that some souls come into this earth that are so fragile and so tender, so delicate, and so perfect. Of course, we're all perfect. Our souls always get here perfect, you know. But... I think he just figures the world is too rough a place for this per, for this person to to be in very long, and I'm going to let him live just a little while, and I'm going to take him home. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the case with Haley. She was just an angel, and just as perfect as perfect could be. And even as a child, when we didn't know she was sick, she just was this special, holy, holy little child. You know, yeah. um, you could just tell there was something different about her. And so. That's his business, you know. I look at that. It's like it might, but the bottom line is he's God and and not. Yeah. And so whatever whatever he ordains, we have to roll with it, you know. And but 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 the the Holy Spirit has blessed us inordinately, and that is the only way we've been able to survive. Is it? Do you get over it? No, you never get over it. You never get over it. You never stop crying. You never stop looking at her things and just longing for her and want to fall on the floor and cry. That's always going to be there. But you do realize that you have a purpose still, and God's not done with us, mm-hmm. and we have to to move on. It's it's a, it is a fascinating story, not just for people who 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 are your fans, they follow your career, your music, but also just as an inspiring story of, like you said, faith, fatherhood, suffering. There's a lot there. Um, we have to leave it there, Colin. But thank you so much for uh, for writing the book, for sharing your life with us a little today. I'm sorry the phone connection wasn't great, um, but uh, but this has been a great pleasure. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it as well. I hope everybody can make out most of what I said. But, <laughs> but you never know. The, the, the weather is beyond our control. <laughs> Amen. Thank you very much. God bless. Thanks so much. God bless. You can learn more about Colin Ray at his website, colinray.com. His autobiography, A Voice Undefeated, is published by Ignatius Press. Here now is Colin Ray with that single that was inspired by the, his granddaughter, Haley, and that also inspired the title of the book, Undefeated. Darkened souls surround me, it's crazy But nothing of this world will ever save me Wage it alone and start to come undone Then you arrive and lift me We fight as one You fill my cup when I'm used up and poured out so depleted. You are my light. You make things right. So I stand undefeated, undefeated. I know I so often you but you don't turn away when I'm about to we're listening to Colin Ray with his song undefeated 
And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. Only